Hey folks, this week there are big developments relating to the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. As the investigations continue, it will soon be decision time for the Department of Justice and the January 6th committee when it comes to whether Donald Trump will be held accountable for the attack at the Capitol. Joyce Vance and I discuss this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as part of the insider community. I have some good news about Cafe. Tell me. Just came over the, does news come over the transom? Is that I what they say? I think it does come over the transom. Still, even in modern yes. America? It's a nice word. The Webby Awards, which people track closely if you're in the podcast business, has sort of honored three cafe things, if people can be things. Heather and Joanne for Now and Then, best hosts. Me for Stay Tuned. And Stay Tuned as a podcast, but more importantly, there is an episode of Stay Tuned that was nominated for Best Individual Episode in News and Politics. And that was the episode in which we featured the two prosecutors who tried the case of Derek Chauvin, who murdered George Floyd. That was a really great episode. I I can't say that I'm surprised that that one was nominated because it was very informative. It was very timely. And I am so delighted to see Heather and Joanne nominated too. Well, thank you. Yeah, so, so great. So we'll have a link because I think it's called People's Choice so people can vote for that individual episode. A lot of news on the January 6th front. So let's talk about the first thing that's gotten a lot of attention, and people are interpreting it in different ways. So the big debate among people of good faith has been, is the Justice Department sort of matching what the January 6th committee is looking at? Are prosecutors from the Justice Department and FBI agents really probing, you know, hard and thoroughly with respect to people who didn't just storm the Capitol, but were involved at higher levels, up to and including the former president of the United States, And people like me and people like you and Dan Goldman and Ellie Honig and others that are friends of ours and colleagues of ours are somewhat skeptical about what kind of activity is going on behind the scenes because generally speaking, those things get known and those things leak. Now, there are other folks who are super smart and who I respect and admire a lot, like Barb McQuaid, who seem to have much greater faith that lots of activity and investigative work is going on behind the scenes And I guess some people are viewing this news that DOJ has expanded its investigation and is issuing subpoenas to folks, unnamed folks, per the Washington Post, but folks outside of the the rioters who may have been involved in the planning of the rally. Some people are taking that as vindication that there's actually stuff going on. What do you think about that? You know, I'm not sure that I can get quite that far. For one thing, the reporting suggests that for the last couple of months, they've been looking at folks in Trump's orbit. And so investigating folks in his orbit could absolutely be a stepping stone to begin looking at the president, right? That's how these things work. But I don't think it's confirmation of that. It is nonetheless good news. It is, I think, consistent with that January 5 speech that we heard from Merrick Garland, where he promised that DOJ would look at people, you know, at every level, regardless of whether they were present on January 6 or not. And this seems to be really the first actual confirmation that we've had that this is going on. 
I mean, to me, it confirms something that we've been saying. It confirms a principle that relates to this debate. Is DOJ investigating thoroughly and aggressively, or is it not? And the people who say you can't know because these things are done in secret, you know, they have a point. But this report suggests, as you and I and others have been saying, that in a case like this where everyone is watching, where lots of people have loose lips, not in the department, but other people, witnesses and lawyers and, and other folk like that, it becomes known. And it remains to me impossible to believe that if they were really seeking the testimony or trying to have conversations with people like Mark Meadows and Ivanka Trump and others, you know, very, very high and close to the former president, it's impossible to believe that that wouldn't leak, just like this story leaked within weeks of the subpoenas being issued. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. We saw that this morning with the leak that Ivanka Trump is testifying in front of the January 6th committee today. These things tend to come to light. And there's one other practice that the committee has engaged in that has always given me pause when it comes to whether or not DOJ is actively engaged. And you and I have talked about this before. It's the fact that the committee is talking not just, you know, briefly with witnesses, but is talking at length with key witnesses, creating transcripts, creating testimony. And as a prosecutor, I don't like seeing anyone else talk to my witnesses. It can create confusion at a minimum. It can create contradictions. You know, sometimes people say things in different ways, and defense lawyers can make a lot of that during a trial when they have that witness on cross and they're going after their credibility. So I still have that little bit of hesitation, to be honest. What explanation do you have with respect to this new report of the expansion of the investigation as to why it took a year to start looking at and issuing subpoenas about the things that were being done to plan the rally. Do you have a theory? You know, I do. It's sort of an inchoate theory. But I think that Merrick Garland was really committed to restoring the Justice Department, that he did not want to become the attorney general who engaged in banana republic tactics prosecuting a former president. And I think over time, the evidence amassed in a way that made it clear to him that he was going to have to enter that arena. And I think that's what we're seeing now. I mean, would you or I have waited for a year? I don't know, because I don't know everything that he's seen. But I suspect that we would have been investigating early on, not because we believed that there was a case and we were frantic to make it, but because you've got to investigate so the American people know the truth, right? Sometimes it's as valuable to investigate and not indict as it is to bring indictments. I think it's concerning that that appears not to have happened. I'm glad that they're in that space now. And I think it was perhaps everything that happened around the first anniversary, the evidence that was coming to light at that point, and Garland's commitment in that January 5 speech. It's interesting because some of the reporting with respect to this expansion of the investigation, but more directly with respect to that decision by Judge Carter in California, in which he says there is evidence that Donald Trump committed a crime and therefore the crime fraud exception is invoked so that John Eastman's communications have to be disclosed. And reporters and others who are commenting use the, the verb pressured, or I guess the noun and the verb, that Merrick Garland is being pressured or is feeling pressure to do something more in light of these other things that are happening, in light of the judge's ruling and the mention of criminality 
I think Merrick Garland was asked about that and said the only pressure he feels is to do the right thing. But implicit in your comments from a minute ago, do you think that Merrick Garland and, and the department are feeling outside pressure or they just didn't get to this point until recently because more facts have come to light? I'm interested in your answer, too. I can't say that I ever felt pressure as a U.S. attorney or as a line prosecutor. For the most part, the more people tried to impose external pressure on me, the more I doubled down on on my process and, and my timeline because I thought that was what the job involved. I think Garland views it the same way. I think it's the evidence that's come to light. You know, we know so much about January 6th that we didn't know that day, that we didn't know six months out. I think the news about the Willard War Room was what began to surface on the timeline where it looks like DOJ began investigating. The news about the fake slates of electors was breaking. And I think the press of that increasing evidence, you know, this enhanced telling the story of what the big lie involved and what led up to January 6th was probably what caused DOJ to take those steps. Do you disagree? I don't disagree. I don't think he feels pressure. I, like you, didn't feel it even when we had, you know, openly known investigations of leading public officials in our state. You know, you do what you have to do, and it's part of your training and part of your orientation as an independent prosecutor not to care about what the public is saying. But I will note that there clearly was a lot of concern on the part of the department in connection with the January 5th speech by Merrick Garland that the public be told in those words that you just quoted a couple of minutes ago, that the department was going to go wherever the facts lead. I mean, so that's a different thing from saying they felt pressure, but I certainly think they wanted to get the message out that they were doing the right thing and would do the right thing. That was important to them. So I'm a huge fan of DOJ doing that. I think one of the mistakes that we historically make for good reasons, though, is that we operate too much in the shadows. And I think we obviously can't talk about ongoing investigations, but it's important for DOJ to explain its processes, its practices, why so much of its work is conducted in secret, what its commitments look like. I think that's really something that's been missing. And the more people understand about what DOJ should look like, that's in some ways prophylactic against the sorts of abuses we saw during the Trump years. What do you make of something that was mentioned in the the Washington Post article and seems to make some sense? And so the public understands how much tension there is between holding people accountable for the things that happened on January 6th and First Amendment rights to protest and to assemble. Do you think that's really a big hitch? I don't know if I would use the word hitch, but I think this is something that's super frustrating for people who aren't lawyers and even for people who are lawyers. But this is one of those concerns Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.